Hi, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? If you've been even halfway paying attention to the cultural and political news of our day, you have increasingly heard the use of a term called woke. Now, for years, most of us thought that woke was just the past participle of wake, as in not to be in a state of sleep. But that definition is so, well, I guess yesterday. Now the term woke has taken on a whole new life. Now it's used to refer to someone who has fully embraced progressive activism. But sadly, many churches today seem to have embraced the cult of wokeness, where the greatest of all sins seems to be not being woke. As a child of God and as a student of Torah, how are we supposed to respond to the pressure of the woke church? After this message, let's talk about the great awakening and let's talk Torah. For over 25 years, Ezra International has been helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people escape poverty and persecution. In fact, almost 80,000 Jewish people have now returned to Israel with our help. The average cost to rescue one Jewish person is $360. Your gift of just $30 a month over one year can help return a Jewish person to Israel and restore their hope for a better future. Please go to EzraInternational.org and give your best gift today. Well, it's good to be here again. Yes, good to see you, Kathy. (laughs) Um, I was doing a lot of reading as I was preparing, uh, you know, as we were prepping these series kind of as we're talking about false gospels. You Mm -hmm. know, we already talked, our our last series was about this. And then um, I have to admit, I stole this title, The Great Awakening, from somebody else. Of course. We we, we all do this. (laughs) We just borrow good ideas. Hey, listen, ask any preacher alive if they haven't uh, plagiarized somebody's... Exactly. So I just have to say that right off the bat. Um, I did that. But um, so I do want to talk, you know, today we want to talk about this great awakening, and um, and I'm thinking it's going to take a, a at least a couple different episodes to kind of cover mm. this topic, and you know it was really one that I actually thought for a while, do we have to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, I hear you because you know it would be so nice to be talking about much more positive things, but uh, this is deception. So I think we have to, you know, remember, you know, with the Watchman's job. You know, I didn't think about that earlier when we were discussing this topic, but a watchman has to to let give warning. Otherwise, the uh, the results are on his own head. Uh, so I think that's I think exactly what it. motivates me in this particular uh, topic and, and other topics that we do is that concern. I particularly, you know, it's one thing if I saw this wokeness happening um, outside the church even, mm-hmm. but... The problem is, is I'm seeing it in the church. And in fact, um, I've had some kind of more personal experiences with it, with yeah. uh, friends and family. And so I'm like, I am very, very concerned, mm-hmm. very concerned that right if be. this has infiltrated the church, then that's a really big problem. You know, so I'm thinking, okay, well, so where do I... Where do we start? Where do we start with this? So I'm like, okay, even the word woke, you know how you're going along in, in a day or a week, and then sometimes you start hearing a word, and then you hear it again, then you hear it again. Now, a week ago, you never heard it at all. Right. You know, and then and all like, of a sudden, it's everywhere. Like, woke, 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 woke. And I was like, okay, I wanted to just look at, like, what's the history of this word? And it's funny, it does have a history, if you yeah. can look it up. It showed up first in print in 1962, the year I was born, uh, in the New York Times, you not my favorite paper. <laughs> yes, I just did, if you can do the math. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really, it was an article about, they said, with beatniks and pop culture. And it was about the idea of uh, the culture absorbing jazz music and African-American slang from Harlem into the culture, mm-hmm. and which happens all the time. Sure. You know, so we, we pick up different words and stuff from different cultures. And so in it, the, the, the author wrote, if you're woke, you dig it, meaning 
there was all sorts of slang in that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> if you're <laughs> in you the under- know, you understand what's going on, that kind of thing. So it was 1962. So that's been a while. Yeah, so and I don't it, imagine they ever thought it would be used in, a, in the fashion it's being I, used today. I, I, and I honestly, okay, he used it then, but I haven't heard it used much in the interim. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've been alive a little bit longer than you have, and I, I never heard it until most recently. <laughs> exactly. So. But, you know, we do borrow words all the time. Um, and we we borrow, like, this whole jazz era, the idioms and stuff came part of ma- mainstream, mainstream speech, like, you know, hip and cool and uh-huh. words that we used to think were hip and cool, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) which probably aren't anymore. Yeah, the things that we thought were cool are probably (laughs) no longer, right? Yes. But the thing about words is that, and particularly slang words, but this is true of every, lots of words, is they often evolve in their meaning. Evolution's never really a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, we know what you're saying. (laughs) Exactly. So anyway, in 2017, Webster added the word woke to its dictionary and they defined it as aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues especially issues of racial and social justice Mm. all right so that's getting pretty close to what we've got today Um, but it's more still even in 2017 it was more of a head idea of aware of okay you're you're aware of these kinds of things attentive to Mm. but with like the whole black lives matter thing that happened last year the word woke kind of evolved again and became a word of action Right. Okay. So now they're going to put teeth behind it, so to, or feet behind it, or whatever you want to call it. Right? Yeah. Activism. Uh, so it's mm. not just mental awareness. So now we talk about things like woke corporations. You know, like Disney being a woke corporation, or Nike, or you know, like when Disney boycotted Georgia after that abortion right. that they passed. Right. Okay. So that was an activism behind that mental wokeness. Yeah, and I think, but you know, you Kathy, you know, the bottom line is the bottom line for corporations. So they're making a a decision here, a calculation that somehow that wokeness is going to make them more money. They're going right. to be more uh, a, a desirable company. When I think, and this is just my humble opinion, I think it's going to backfire on them. I think this. I think people are fed up with being told that somehow they're racist just because of the color of their skin right. or because they think a little bit differently than somebody else. That is not, in my opinion, a very popular way to or a very good way of of, of drawing customers. No, and it's not reflective. I think of of the general populace in the mm-hmm. U.S. There may be these people in leadership. I don't know how these people get there, but they don't seem to be reflective of what's going on in. In the general populace, like as I look around mm-hmm. our city, you know, and stuff like that, I don't see that as much. But you still worry because lots of times that when what's happening up in leadership does get sometimes forced down. Well, it does. See, that was one of the things that stood out to me when I, one of my very first lobbying trips to Washington was how few people hold our future in their hands when it comes to making laws. And and you, I, I agree with you. They get out of touch very quickly in that bubble that is D.C. And yet they're up there making these, these decisions that affect our lives. And quickly, we really learn. learn. I mean, you go walk around, do, do some uh, asking the man on the street, and you find that the attitudes of the person on the street are far different than the, the folks that are supposedly representing us. Exactly. And, that and then is, you're that trying to, but we're the ones who still have to live with all yes. of this. Okay. And so yeah. we have to live with, even at the corporate, you know, corporations making decisions that we have to live with in the, you know, um, target in their transgender bathroom policy. Mm-hmm. Somebody up in corporate can make that decision and go, oh, this is some kind of woke thing to do. Right. And yet now we have to deal with right. that in real life when we it. go into the target right. bathrooms, you know. And so that's a whole disconnect that's happening. Yeah, we live happening with the results. There. We you, live with the results. You know, you mentioned Black Lives Matter, the movement, mm-hmm. uh, not you know, not the sentiment. Mm-hmm. I want to make that very clear. We've talked about this before. The idea of any group of people's lives mattering is that's you know that sentiment is different than the organization BLM. But one thing that I have noticed, and I wanted to pause here and just point out is that within this wokeness, within these social justice movements, 
I always spot their their anti-Israel, anti-Jewish sentiment. I mean, it comes a lot of times the anti-Semitism comes out as anti-Israel or anti-Zionism, but it's the same ancient hatred that ex- has existed for thousands of years, and it's coming out as, as if it were something new. And you know, oh, 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 this woke group they they see it where others don't. It, that's that's just completely false. I mean, this is an ancient hatred, but it's consistent throughout these movements, these leftist movements. Uh, I've watched it over the years. I've seen it most recently. And this very week that we're doing this podcast, I read a, a uh, editorial by uh, Caroline Glick. And she said this, which I completely agree with. She says, it seems that uh, that a day doesn't go by without another report of yet another outrageous attack by leftists against Jews in America. See, it, it's not just Jews in Israel. It, it hits Jews in America. And she goes on to, to speak about two examples, which you may have read about. She said, last week a food truck was barred from participating in an ethnic street food festival in Philadelphia because it sells Israeli food and it's owned by an Israeli Jew. I mean, this is this is what wokeness leads to. Exactly. This anti-racist idea leads to racism, racism when it comes to the Jewish people, especially. And then one other example, she said, um, a lesbian pride, um, a lesbian parade in Chicago published an advertisement of the event that showed a woman standing on a car burning the American and Israeli flags. Together. So what's that have to do with... Uh, lesbianism nothing absolutely <laughs> but the but hatred manifests there exactly yes yes um as as we will talk more of in a little little bit all of these ideas once again getting back to that idea of moving away from god canceling god it, then you end up with the whole idea of israel and the jewish people right caught up in the middle of exactly. all of that and, and see, isn't that evidence that he is who he says he is and that they're who he says yes. he is? Because to cancel God, you have to cancel the Jewish people. Right. And um, it also helps me to know which side to stand on. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel very confident in that. Exactly. Well, you know, this idea of wokeness, it, it, it manifests, like you said, in lots of different areas, like the transgender and the LGBTQ plus, 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 and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Today, we're going to talk about it as it's related to race. Okay, sure. uh, That's what we're going to kind of focus on. Um, you know, in our last uh, podcast, we talked about social justice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we kind of got into just started this kind of topic. And if you want to, to know more about what we said, please go back and watch that episode. But we were really talking about this idea of social justice as a type of collective justice that meets out kind of rewards and punishments based on the group that you're associated associated with other rather than your own behaviors and actions toward God, which of course we pointed out was a clear perversion of God, sure. the gospel and, and God's word for sure. So if you, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one if you have not done that one. Um, but today I want to go a little bit further into this concept of critical race theory. Once again, something that Wow. Even six months ago, most of us had not ever heard of. That's true. And if you're watching news and, and you're uh, reading even your local paper, I'm reading it in our local paper now related to school boards and uh, the you know using critical race theory as mm-hmm. they teach the, the students. You're like, wait, wait, what is this? OK, um, so I think that that's important. And I think before we start the discussion, something that we also said in the last episode is obviously as uh, of people of God, uh, students of Torah, um, we we are against any form of racism, meaning unequal treatment of anybody due to their race. That's that's a given. That's where we start off. Here. Absolutely, you know? we want to make that very very clear. No doubt whatsoever. We do not believe that treating anybody based on the color of their skin or their gender or any of that. We should we should be. Equal, we're equal in the sight of God. Right. He shows no partiality, nor should we. Exactly, exactly. And so we support the work that Martin Luther King Jr. did and his efforts in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. We believe, as he did, that people should be judged not by the color of their skin, by the content of their character. Yes. And we believe that that's 
what scripture says. Absolutely. You know, so surprise. So even in second Corinthians five, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive compensation for his deeds, his deeds done through the body. Okay. In yes. accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. Right. Individually. So individually, we're going to stand before, we're going to stand before Christ in the judgment seat. We're not going to be with a group of people. We're going to be each individual. We can't turn to the next guy and say, he made me do it or it was because of him. That's just not going to work. But what I want to try to show today for those who may not quite understand this is that this idea of critical race theory is is not the offspring of Martin Luther King's and his civil rights efforts at all. That's right. In fact, I think it's the exact opposite. Oh, I, I absolutely think absolutely, it's the exact opposite yes. of what he, what he Yes, had. I think that um, I believe that if uh, Martin Luther King Jr. were alive today, he would be probably the first to be up here warning, just like we, we mm -hmm. are now, about the poison of critical race yeah, theory. Yeah, I would believe he would denounce it uh, right straight away. I have heard some of those who marched with Martin Luther King uh, denounce this exactly. as as completely the opposite. Exactly, of and you know, and, and and MLK knew his Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he was a man of God, not a perfect man of God, but but he knew the word, and and so the, I think he would have recognized it for exactly what it was. Yes. You know, so you know, we we mentioned in the last episode, but I think it bears repeating because. Uh, uh, the word always does. Um, <laughs> what does the Torah say about false gospels presented by false prophets? And I think the, uh, the heart of that goes to Deuteronomy 13. Okay, so it's in Deuteronomy 13, um, and it warns us against false prophets who entice people away from the God of Israel. And these false prophets say, let us go after other gods which you have not known. Let us serve them. And then Torah gives us a warning. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet, mm -hmm. for the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is Jehovah your God that you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him and hold fast to him. So what we're talking about is getting to the false prophet. You are not to follow that false prophet, but the way you know is the false prophet is only by studying the word. Okay, that's the only way you're going to know it's false. You're right. You you're know? absolutely right. If you, if you, if this message sounds good, but it's contrary to the word of God, and you don't know that it's contrary to the word of God, you have a problem. And I know that leads probably to one of your favorite. Yes. Passages. Okay. <laughs> my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. That's one of right. my personal favorites. Yeah. Exactly. You know, uh, even Second Timothy four talks about that idea of people having their ears tickled. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, so it's they're hearing something they want to hear. It sounds right. It sounds good. It sounds pleasant, um, and maybe they want it for some reason to be true. But if you don't hold it up to that plumb line, a Torah then, then uh, you, that's how you determine it. Yes. Okay, so that's how you determine it, no matter what you, you want. And, of course, you know, um, what I see happening, particularly within the church today, is this: the people espousing this false gospel are using ideas, um, words, concepts that sound familiar, mm -hmm. you know. And so they sound like maybe we're... We're talking about the same things. I'm going to talk a little bit about the book Be the Bridge that's being used in lots of the churches. And that book talks a lot about guilt and repentance and atonement, all of these great Christian words. Sure. You know? And so you're like, okay, it's using my language. Yeah. So it, oh, sound, so it sounds like the same message. Right. right. But, uh, but it's deception. not. So you have to get really, you got to really delve into it and, and really look at it. So I see that, you know, uh, that to me is the really um, uh, terrifying thing about a false gospel is that it, it, it uses words. It sometimes doesn't go terribly off, at least not at the beginning, the ideas of what of truth. 
maybe just a little bit off, you know, and then a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then all of a sudden you're going in a totally different direction. Right. You know, it's it's always the most effective way to deceive a person. And that is to use the truth with a we and weave in deception. Exactly. Use part a part partial truth. I mean, this is what we know happened in the garden. You know, surely you shall not die the moment right. you eat. You know, there was a, there was a, a enough uh, uh, truth to 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 deceive both Adam and Eve, and yet look what the what the destruction that followed. But this is this has been the enemy's plan from the beginning. Yes, and I think that that he uses the word because. He knows how powerful words are, Mm -hmm. you know, because God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything with his word, God's Mm -hmm. word. And there's two words in in existence. It's God's word and the enemy's word. And so that's the battleground, I think, is in this this, uh, war of words lots of times. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Sometimes the Bible talks about it as an argument. And now we have to stand against these arguments, okay, that are go against God's word. So I think it's, uh, so that use of words is, um, you got to be really, really careful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, I am as the, um, uh, um, I'm warning, I'm blowing that trumpet (laughs) and I'm going, wait, watch out, watch out. Now today we're going to look a little bit more at critical race theory, which once again, I don't think a lot of people even heard too much of even a few months ago, but now it's popping up everywhere and is in our newspapers. I don't pick up our local paper without it now being in there one way or the other. We're talking about the local school board meetings, mm-hmm. uh, talking about military, it's talking about all these kinds of things. Yeah. This critical race yeah, theory is, is very pervasive. And, I, and I've noticed quite a bit of pushback. I don't know if everybody's watching, but the school boards all around the country yes. are being invaded by very, very concerned parents. And yes. that's a good thing. I think that's a really good thing. Um, and then what we're going to see today and to make sure we understand it is recognizing it not like I said not just in the school boards but in the churches Mm -hmm. and so you know I'm a reader I love 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 to read and um, I've read a number of books that are really good on this and the first one I read probably about six or eight months ago The Devil and Karl Marx Mm -hmm. excellent book and it really talks about the kind of satanic underpinnings, undergirdings of Marxism, as well as, you know, socialism, communism, and how anti-God all of those ideologies are, you know. So, and it's uh, the final chapter of that book, The Devil and Karl Marx, great title, the whole, the final chapter was about critical theories, Mm. okay, and this related to this critical race theory, and basically the author was saying that this critical theory idea is downstream of Marxism, okay, so that's coming right from Marxism, and everybody knows Karl Marx and his, you know, most famous uh, quote, religion is the opium of the masses. Mm -hmm. Um, What I didn't know, it was interesting to look at the whole quote. He said, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of the heartless world, and the soul of the soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. And so he was describing religion and faith um, as heartless and soulless, what? <laughs> I think there's millions of people on this planet that would beg to differ. I was like, what? I mean, but so it was to him a despairing, damning accusation. And for that reason, Marxism, Marx called for the abolishment of, to totally abolish what he called religion at the time was the practice of faith. Practice of faith. Yeah, yes. I was going to say, I don't believe God loves religion. No, I, I know the and, religious and nor, uh, nor do I. institutions. And, and, yes. And yes, but I know exactly what you're but, saying. But the word is then just an idea of a practice of faith exactly. and particularly the Judeo-Christian faith. Well, yes, <laughs> which, which both, if you think about it, uh, and and I hope people do, uh, you know when Yesh- when Yeshua uh, we call him, uh, the the more common name is Jesus was asked what was the greatest of all the commandments, he quotes he starts and and Mark does a great job of quoting it directly from the Shema, which every Jewish person should know and recites daily. Uh, but he says first, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now you know to Karl Marx. 
yes, there is a God. Mm-hmm. And, and then he goes on, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it, this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments greater than these. Now, what Marx is doing is not only eliminating God, but he's, he's start, this is that start of that class warfare yeah. where he pits people against one another exactly that's that's exactly right that's mm-hmm. exactly right and that's the um uh, the uh beginnings of where we talk about where, where we get into critical theory mm-hmm. so okay so i loved that book i read another book called cynical theories by uh, james Lindsay and helen pluckrose and it was basically looking at all of these these so-called critical theories and how activists have made everything in our life about race or gender or identity and so you get in these critical theories you get to such ridiculousness as as um, only certain people can cook Chinese food, like only Asian people, only certain people can wear their head, hair in braids. Um, you get those ideas, there's no biological sex. Um, you know, you get science is racist um, out of these critical theories. And, you know, outside of critical theory, all of this is nonsense. It's ridiculousness. Well, you know, my, my head is spinning because you think about this for a moment. This is the this is the group, at least from if we, from my understanding, the left has been screaming science, 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 science all these years when it comes to the ideas of evolution, of global warming, uh, you know, on and on it goes. And yet now all of a sudden science is racist. Exactly. I mean, make up your mind. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what are we supposed to be looking at? And then this idea, no biological sex. Right. Oh, there again. Let's cancel God who created male and female. female. Male and female, he created them. (laughs) Exactly. 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 So you see not only canceling common sense, but then going back further to canceling God. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, for those who don't know, quick history Critical theories, this idea of critical theories is an ideology that was birthed in the 1930s, and it really came out of Germany, okay? Ideological thought in the universities in Germany in 1930, which is, of course, when uh, Karl Marx was coming up with his ideas, and this is right when Hitler was Mm -hmm. all mixed into all of this, too. Surprise, surprise. All of that was happening in the same place at the same time. And the critical theories, they borrow a lot from Marxism, but Marxism ideas were economic based you know uh, his ideas were um uh all about economics the critical theories go beyond that but in critical theory the idea is to focus on the critique okay critical critique okay of society and culture in order to reveal and challenge power structures okay so it is it argues that all of society's problems are are caused by these structures and these systems thus you hear systemic racism right. okay so it's this within the systems um, that that have been set up that that are causing the problems rather than the sin of individual people rather than the <laughs> sin of individual can i insert here once again though something that I, when you when you mention karl marx and hitler in the same mm-hmm. paragraph here same sentence. <laughs> same, yeah, same, maybe same sentence. Yeah, you probably did. Um, think about that, what was going on in that region of the world when it comes to the Jewish people. Exactly. Once again. That's what I'm saying. And yes, this, this horrible, I mean, the, the, these ideologies always seem to boil down to hatred of this individual It was all group. birth. Well, it wasn't birth. It was all in this cauldron yes. of of. Junk, (laughs) garbage, Uh okay, coming out of the same uh, place or bubbling up in the same place. And then so then what what do we do here in America is we we have these um, young leftists who go over there to these universities to learn these great ideas. Okay, so they go over there, they bring them back. At that time, we even start some universities. I, I was reading that. Uh, Johns Hopkins was started to teach these very things coming out of the Frankfurt School. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have universities in America that they wanted to bring that ideology back and teach it in America, and they've been pretty successful. Unfortunately, so has been very successful with that. So, so anyway, what we've got is Karl Marx. He was 
talking about economics. And in his idea, the capitalist system or the bourgeoisie, funny, you know, fancy word, mm -hmm. is what kept the workers of the proletariat down. So the system was set up to exploit the workers, and thus the system and those who set it up that would be the business, business owners, the mm -hmm. capitalist, mm -hmm. had to be destroyed and replaced by a fairer system. Now, that's a newer, fairer system had to be managed by, of course, the government. The government. Yeah, because the government's perfect, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's yeah. no faulty people in there. <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> Nothing could go wrong, yes. <laughs> um, so, so, in essence, the sin is in the system, um, not in the heart. Now, that's not to say, and we mentioned last time, that there are systems that even have existed in America that have led to racial inequality. Oh, sure. And, and so we, we certainly recognize that, but we have recognized that and dealt with that in this in this country i know i said last time it was like that idea of we've pulling a train into this uh, uh the into the uh the station, station thank you of uh, racial equality and then all of a sudden the train just takes off and goes right off. past it yeah i think what, what, or went in reverse i'm, <laughs> not, I'm not sure, not which, sure. because it, it because didn't I, stop at racial equality. No, no and, and as I said, you, we're now this so-called theory is is trying to fight racism with racism. Exactly, and it just doesn't make any sense. Exactly, it's, it's exact exactly. Opposite. So, in order for socialism to work, it has to do what we've already talked about. It has to divide people yes. into groups. Okay, yes. so you have the haves and the have-nots. We hear a lot the oppressors and the oppressed. Okay, you have to have that. You have to pit them against each other. You have to create situations that are so awful that people think in their heads are so awful that they cry out for the heavy hand of government to step forward, fix everything for us, please. Okay, big mistake. Big but that's mistake. exactly what they're pushing for. I, I, they push and push. They cause the problems and then say we're here to help. Yes, yes. And, and what was Reagan's thing? The the scariest. The, the scariest things are words. I'm him from the government and I'm, I'm here, here to, to help. help. Yes. yes, exactly. Yes. You know, Proverbs 22, 2 says that rich or poor, uh, ha they, they have this in common, that the Lord is the maker of them all. And this is the problem. Once again, this cancellation of God's principles within this to try to divide us. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um, what happens in these critical theories that they, Karl Marx's socialism, as much as it keeps getting tried, people were realizing this wasn't working, okay? This dividing according to class, that wasn't working. So what happened was they decided, well, that doesn't work, so let's try it in other areas. So they now that they, instead of looking at the society in terms of the economic disparity so much, they look at you know, like evil capitalists, exploited workers. Now we're going to look through the lens of race mm -hmm. or gender, sexual orientation, body type. You know, Gary, uh, there are so many critical theories in existence. As I was reading the one book, Cynical Theories, it was like post-colonial theory, queer mm. theory, feminism, and gender theory, disability theory, fat theory. Uh, I mean, I, so dividing in every single way, even, even how much you weigh, dividing people by that. I mean, really? You know, this this identity politics is is their tool uh, of gaining more followers. I mean, they, they group people and, and come to their, say, basically say, listen, you may not have known it, but you're oppressed. Yes. You've got a problem and we're here to help. So they want to gr group everybody into these poor, oppressed little categories. And agitate. And, 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 and of course, agitate and pit one against the other. Exactly. You know, the Bible talks about people who pit people against That's each right. other and agitate. You know, in Proverbs 6, there are six things which the Lord hates and seven which are an abomination to him. And the last is one who spreads strife among brothers. Wow. Is that <sighs> is that where we are? Where that's where we are. Yeah. And so they're like they take two people that were perfectly okay with each other and then they tell them why you're not perfectly okay with each other, okay? <laughs> you know, you know because one guy weighs more than the other guy, you know, yeah. or you have, you know, you're of two different genders or, you know, of course, now gender doesn't exist, so I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> but. <laughs> but see see what happens when you, you I mean, they're, they're using this I, this argument about male and female and, and gender and race, and, and then 
then the next breath, there's no race. I know. There's, I mean, I'm there's, sorry, there's, there's, there's no, no gender. gender. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, right. which is it? No. The, the slippery slope. Whatever that this, works. This, it, it, whatever works to gain an advantage over their opponent. And exactly. uh, I'd say their opponent right now is common sense. Exactly. I'd say yeah. so. Besides God. Besides God, yeah. <laughs> right. Now, just a little more history for those who uh, uh, may not have known or might be interested. Um, these critical theories, okay, starting in the 1930s, really bubbled up in the 1960s. We're all sorts of great stuff happening here <laughs> in the 60s in America, right? Okay, so it, it, they bubbled up with this new way of thinking called postmodernism. And it kind of came from a disillusionment. We've had the two world wars where people thought we could have peace. Remember after the First World War, we thought we could form the League of Nations and we'd right. never have peace again until a few years later when we had a second world war. Right. So there was disillusionment with that. There was disillusionment with, even with the idea that Marxism didn't work. They were kind of disillusioned with that. Uh, you know, this post-industrialism, this rapid advance of technology that kind of, they, they threatened what they thought was like authenticity mm. or real experiences. You know, what's a real right. experience anymore? And so what happened, these post-modernist or post-modern way of thinking is they, they, they this disillusionment led to uh, an effort to reject what they considered modern concepts. And there were a lot of these modern concepts that they decided to reject, including the idea of representative democracy, mm. science and scientific method, reason, the importance of individual liberties, okay, everything that we were founded on, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the role of faith and religion in society. So they were rejecting all of these things that were considered modern, that even the Enlightenment had kind of come forward and said, okay, these are some of the directions that we want to go for, go forward, uh, move out of of uh, um, mythology and right. paganism, um, paganism of the past. Let's go toward reason and, and you know, uh, scientific method and stuff like this. Now they're going, no, we want to reject all of that. And, and then they see the founding of America as being part of that, uh, uh, that old stuff that now they need to get yeah, rid of. Yeah, the standard. Yeah. Uh, you know, but sadly, once again, going back to what I said earlier about science, this is the same science where, where we see most on the left talk about the idea of, of um, climate change uh, as the new word instead of global warming, but climate change. So if we're supposed to follow the science of climate change, then why are we rejecting this science of biology? Okay. You know, the, 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 this, this idea of the sexes or reason. You know, Isaiah 1, 18 says, come, let us reason, reason. together. <laughs> you know, again, what what is the problem with sitting down civilly, peacefully, and reasoning out and talking about our differences and how we can come to some common ground and get along? But no, it's, it's in your face. It's violent. Yeah. Well, it's, it's your, it's my way or the highway. Exactly. And very um, um, non-Hebraic. You know, we, we always think of this Hebraic idea of midrash, of coming together sure. of ideas. We do this every Friday With night. Respect. Yeah, and we come together and, you know, get together people and read the word and talk about it and what's your input on it and what's your input on it and uh, reasoning together to, sure. to come to a, an understanding. Um so it, it, they, there's none of that. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. And they're, they're going to that idea of civil liberties. Where did we learn how to live together in society? I mean, think about it. The Torah instruction was all about that. You have this group of people coming out of Egypt as slaves, and God taught them how to live together as a as one people the torah instructions were not a bunch of do's and don'ts that that we should reject because they were they were evil or or archaic they were they were good sound principles for men and women people living together in harmony and which is why our founders recognize that absolutely and and, and and pulled from that yes. in our founding once again so you, you know this effort to reject america would definitely be an effort to reject god you know so you it's um 
it's it's kind of all tied up together, yeah. so to speak. You know, um, you know what was interesting. I said said the word, you know, my way or the highway, uh, kind of like this imposing of ideas. But there's another thing about this postmodernist thing, which once again doesn't doesn't all jive together. That's why it's like it doesn't even none of it makes sense. And so in postmodern thinking, knowledge, truth, meaning, and morality are constructed by societies, by groups of people, not by God. Mm. Okay? So truth is relative, um, you know, so that it can be okay for a time. That truth was appropriate for 1776, Mm -hmm. but not anymore. You know, so so if society and man is is creating truth and morality, then of course it can change. Absolutely. That's that's what I've dubbed the sliding scale of morality, Mm -hmm. because we we just go along because because everybody says it's okay now. People want to go along with it, even if God's word says explicitly, no, that is not okay. That is not the way it works, exactly. You know, Judges, uh, we see it twice in the book of Judges, at least uh, in chapter 17 and in 21, that there was no king at the time in the book of Judges, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and it was disastrous. It was a total disaster. It turns into anarchy. You know, this is when everybody decides that they're right, there's no, there's no, universal code of conduct for everybody to 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 hold up to it's it's anarchy it's, it's anarchy. disaster and that's what we're heading for and i it, it, there's a word there's a term that's being uh, bandied about so to speak they use the idea of that you hear the term my truth this is my uh, truth a lot yeah. okay so talk about everybody's doing right in his own eyes this mm-hmm. is my truth now it is true that people have different experiences but this idea of my truth then assigns truth then within not not from god okay and so the idea in even these critical theories was that Truth was established within these um, dominant structures, and it, and that these structures and systems now need to be taken down. So, mm-hmm. you know, rejecting the idea that uh, God is truth, that the systems that were developed, they were uh, uh, they were racist. We need to take them down. And so, this whole idea, when you get into truth being relative, boy, that's just a. a a difficult trail to go down. Oh, it's a, to go it's, down. it's that proverbial slippery slope that there is no no stopping it, no no end to where that could lead. A disaster. I mean. Well, so what I want to do after this quick break is to talk specifically uh, what you had a little bit of introduction about just the critical theory and where that came from, from postmodernism and so forth. But I want to talk very specifically now about critical race theory, because that seems to be the one that we're dealing with quite a bit now. Okay, so we're back. We're talking about critical theories. We're talking about, in particular, critical race theory. And I wanted to start with a a definition of critical race theory. And it's the view that race itself, instead of being biologically grounded and natural, is a socially constructed concept that's used by white people to further their economic and political interest at the expense of people of color. So you got two important points here, that race, instead of being a biological thing based on melanin in your skin, I mean, (laughs) what we always thought it was, you know, um, it's a socially constructed concept, but not only is it socially constructed, but it was created by white people to keep people of color down, okay, to oppress people of color. So you have uh, this idea that, uh, that, that there's a group of people created systems, Okay, mm-hmm. uh, that specifically were designed to keep uh, other people down. So there was no biology in it, and there's no even handedness in it because it, in this theory, it's always the people with the white skin who have created this for the pre- for the purpose of oppressing people of color. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, so once again, this idea that white people constructed knowledge and truth and morality in a way to oppress people of color, we're like, <laughs> what, I don't even know what to say. Like, well, well, once again, it's it's a replacement of God. It's yes. you know, there's these these um, moral standards, these this universal code of conduct that I mentioned before the break, it, that came directly from heaven, from God, yes. from from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, the Creator of the universe, gave us His standards. And if you want to eliminate God, then you, instead of giving, bring, you know, the attributing those standards to God, you attribute them to a group of people that you want to beat. Yes. You, you yes, want to push yes, back. Yes. The white people in this yes, case. Yes. Okay. So the white people came up with this concept, not, not the God. creator of the universe. Right. So they must be, they must be defeated. Exactly. But in the process, you're, you're eliminating God. I, that's exactly what it is. I yeah. think that's it. And it's hard to really get your thumb on that and yes. quite, quite figure that, figure that out. But that's what it is, is that if it's coming from a group of oppressors, now we can change it and get rid of right. it. That's the way we get rid of God. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, so without saying, okay, we're getting rid of God, you know, so, yeah. although sometimes they do say that. Sometimes too. <laughs> they do, the do, but they, you know, this is a, this is a way of recruiting, uh, people that are completely unaware. Getting back to your point of, the the infiltration to the church. Yes. If you say well, this is our way of getting rid of God, of course you're not going to recruit the church to be exactly. your sick. You know, and I hate to use this, but I will because I know you said you know people in this pro- process. But the useful idiot is, mm-hmm. is is a common term. If we can in, if we can enlist the help of the Christian church in eliminating God without them knowing about it. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. That's 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 exactly that is the most effective way. The quickest way is uh, bringing it down from the inside. Right. That's exactly what it's we're going to do, and we're going to mm. we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, and then even more specifically tomorrow. So I'm uh, um, tomorrow next, next episode. Next <laughs> I don't think it's going to be tomorrow, but okay. <laughs> so anyway, so yes, yeah, so that's the idea. Okay, I'm rethinking that God creates truth, but now if you assign truth to a, an oppressor group or someone you've defined as an oppressor group, then it's okay to take it down. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and reestablish something that's not oppressive, at least in their mind. Right. Yes. In their mind. So not, not in ours. <laughs> what's really odd uh, and not in ours in terms of uh, the color of our skin, but not in ours in terms of the God of who we serve. That's right. You know, that's 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 who we're identifying with today, right? Yeah, the God yes. of who we serve. Yes. Well, can we can we ask the left to to uh, to understand that we identify <laughs> as Torah following yes, believers? Yes, exactly. Uh, can you can you identify? Can you let's give us some uh, slack there? Maybe exactly. That's um, how we're going to identify today. Yes. You know what happened with this whole um, uh, thing with critical race theory is. Then it goes so far as to reject this concept of colorblindness that we've kind of used mm-hmm. uh, for the last 50 plus years in our country country as a standard for racial justice. It was, you know, Martin Luther King's idea, once again, judge not by the color of your skin, by the content of your character. Absolutely. So what, what we're doing now, that's the idea of meritocracy. Okay, merit. Okay, that that's what we're judging people on is, you know, what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so... Ironically, that's all been rejected, which was the uh, core of the 1950s, 60s civil, right move, civil rights movement. Yes, it that was. was the core. And look how effective it was. Of course, there was resistance to it because there were racists. But the, the, I think the vast majority of Americans recognize it as justice and the right thing to do. And you had a, a, a vast majority of Americans, once again, founded on Judeo-Christian principles, yes. okay, recognizing even within our founding doc- documents that all men are created equal. So once yes. again, using the documents, the Judeo-Christian-based documents, to achieve this thing that Martin Luther King, he used our founding documents 
chance to achieve that. And well, he should have. As well, yeah. he should have. And held held them up and said, look in this mirror. This is, what, what are you seeing? Mm-hmm. We've got to hold to this standard. And people said, yes, we do. Yes, we, we do. We and I, and I do believe that that was the, 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 the vast majority of the founding fathers, I think, they came to an agreement that this was the way to bring about change. They couldn't, as we discussed in one of our episodes, they couldn't have addressed it all at the beginning, but they knew that our country could change for the better. Exactly. And, and if those words were in there, they, they, that we would hold ourselves up to it yes. as over time. So, you know, a, a critical race activist, okay, we're talking about the critical race theory being a, a activism, okay, this wokeness, okay, mm-hmm. it means active, okay. For critical race activists, even within the church, it's not enough for society to operate in a way that doesn't consider race, um, you have to be what's called now anti-racist. But ironically, in order to be anti-racist, you must look at everything in terms of race. Isn't that so sad? And so it's, again, to to, to try to defeat all racism by becoming a racist... How does that make any sense? Exactly. I, I you know, I, I, I to turn to my audience, our audience right now, and just ask yourself that question. If if the solution to any remaining racism in this country is to become a racist, how does that make sense? How, how would that make sense in any sin? That the solution right. was to, to become have more of it. Yeah. So <laughs> let's know, become solution to adultery is let's have more adultery. But actually. I think that is kind of happening. You know, if you say now it's okay. Yes, if you say it's it's okay. okay, Now, that's a great point. If you say it's all okay, you're saying you're going to get past it because we don't want the guilt. We don't want the... Inherently, we have this um, knowledge of what's right and wrong. wrong. But if we can get everybody on the same page in the idea of rejecting... God's morality, God's standard, then we eliminate that 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 God connection and the guilt goes away. Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, so in this effort by these activists, they are very activists. That means they are out doing the work, okay, of what they call the anti-racist. And we see this, once again, in our newspapers every day on the news. The, they're out trying to take down the systems, okay, that they see as oppressive systems set up by well, white oppressors. Now, these systems include, surprise, the criminal justice system. Surprise. Okay, so we see that right Defund off the bat. The Defund the police, yes. right? Okay, system of government, even the idea of co-equal branches of government, checks and balances. They, I talked about how postmodernists just rejected that idea. And ironically, what they're upholding is a centralized form of government, an autocracy, a, 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 a totalitarian more government, yes. you know, with them as the, the leaders of it. Okay. Yeah. Every, every example we've had in history of these types of government uh, have failed, and sadly, inevitably, they have led to economic collapse, mm-hmm. anarchy, and often war. Right. Sometimes the war came to hide the, the, the sins of the government. Other times it was just a natural offshoot yeah, of this evil ideology. Exactly. But we, we, we can see where, uh, you know, I love the, uh, the uh, saying that never has there been a government or a country with more power and used it the le- used it less, and I'm, yes. I probably butchered that quote. But we don't see the United States as colonialist. Right. You know, we're not going out and conquering the world. Whereas these systems, these ideologies in the past have been all about conquering world conquering. Look, you know, look world back domination. to Hitler. I yes. mean, the first thing he wanted to do is just take over all of Europe. Right. You know, that was just the beginning until yes. we stopped him yes. with our system. Mm-hmm. You know, so they try to take out these systems. So we we look at government. Government, schools, that's going on in our area a lot now. And we see pushback, as you said, yes, uh, from, from, the, uh, from the parents, thank goodness. Healthcare, often uh, seen as a, a race, racist system. Um, locals planning, zoning, just was listening to a, a, a podcast about that, how there's all these efforts now for the federal government to go in and take control of local planning and zoning because they see the idea of uh, single family homes with a nice white picket fence as um, 
racist. Mm. And so they, the effort is being made. And in fact, uh, the wording for, to support this is in the new infrastructure bill. That's what they were talking about that we're, we're looking at now, um, is to, uh, create is to set up a system where basically the the federal government can coerce local governments into changing their zoning to make it more uh equitable i knew that word was coming equitable and you know the the image that i have in my head when you say that about zoning and and equitable and i know that you went to ukraine and you probably know where i'm going with this these lines of buildings that were all through the former soviet union and i've been to uh, uh, you know to ukraine and georgia and i know they exist all through russia uh, this these absolute sameness you know everybody gets a little flat and building after building after they look building exactly after the building, same they all look the same unattractive see one, unattractive you see one you've seen them all. all and they are all throughout this region because of the soviet union and communism i saw that in kiev when i was I'm there sure you yes did. it was all it was exactly the same they were ugly everybody had their own little bitty mm-hmm. thing it was mm-hmm. exactly the same uh, that's exactly what we're talking about here, which is exactly what is in the infrastructure bill that's being considered uh, in our government right now, yeah. is a push to make that happen. Uh, Amazing how we're pushing to make something happen when the examples we have of governments who have tried this are all failure. failures. Failures, exactly. So uh, traditional concepts of the nuclear family, Black Lives Matter, the organization, for a while, but then took it down, talked about how they wanted to disrupt the nuclear family yes. concept. They okay? took it down to try uh, to deceive husband, more. husband, wife, yeah. okay, and children, uh, which, of course, comes from our Torah, all right, and from our God. So they, and, and in fact, that caused so much controversy that they had to take it off, off of their yeah. website. Yeah. You know, but that um, this idea that a, a family of husband and wife is not okay with with these folks. Well, they knew they had been caught. In yes, that. they and knew they, they'd they, been they caught, caught and, they, of, and they knew it wasn't okay with most Americans exactly. at that time. So they pulled it down. Exactly. So even ideas like we talked about earlier, the taking out the scientific method, mm-hmm. um, replacing it with this idea that everybody has their own truth, replacing it with valuing storytelling. Now, I like storytelling as much as the next guy, but this idea of storytelling is based on the idea that everybody has their own truth. Mm -hmm. So if everybody does what is right in their own eyes, that just doesn't work. No, again, it leads to anarchy. So, um, and then, um, then this idea of reason and emotion, which we, and reason and logic that we talked about, but last and not least, very specifically, they're targeting to take down, um, the, whole idea of the way we worship our faith, Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, uh, uh, this whole I- this whole um, concept of what exactly who we're identifying with right now, <laughs> the, the, the group we're identifying with, this idea of, this, of Judeo-Christianity is seen as a white man's religion of oppression. And once you identify it as such, then it's okay to take down. Yes, and and we I think we uh, we covered that. Yes, but when you think about who this uh, this Semitic people that were given this Torah that gave it to us, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't they weren't they weren't white. Europeans. They weren't <laughs> white Europeans. No, of course not. And and again, by by looking at things through that lens, we they they are racist. Exactly. They are they have become the people they claim to hate. Exactly. And we because we are modeling. There are Torah observers, there are Christians and people who observe the Judeo-Christian value system who are of every color, every race. You know, this is not a white man's religion. Exactly, exactly. But if you can identify it as such and you can convince the people in the church that this is 
uh, that, that yes. it is a, a system of oppression. That's what's going on now in the church. And just so, you know, before we close up here today, just so you to, to help you come back for our next episode, uh, we're going to look more specifically at even the materials being used within the churches, uh, the critical race theory materials. Specifically, I'm talking about the use of a, a book called Be the Bridge that's being used in uh, churches all across America now, and it's um, it's using all of these concepts that we've been talking about, a critical race theory, but applying them within the uh, body of believers and the f- f- faith-based system, and that that we adhere to, and it's a. Um, it, I'm hearing it. I've heard it from people in the church. They're using those words like guilt and repentance and so forth and and convincing the church that indeed that basically the system that God sent is set up. The system that God set up um, is racist. Wow. How how scary and how sad is that? So so I think we mentioned this once before to another on another episode about somebody who would challenge the word of God in that way is, are they going to come up with the better system? Uh, yes, yes. In their yes, minds, they, they always, so, yes. So what are they saying? Isn't that what Satan did? Oh, exactly. I mean, exactly. Uh, we, we know better than God or we are, we are in an equal footing at the very least to God. Uh, they're going to produce a document that the entire world could base its morality and its conduct on. That that I mean that is what they're saying. Yes, and to infiltrate the church and to say we're going to come up with a document better than this uh, this Bible that you have on your lap. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. And we're going to and, and we're going to accept that. Right. That's why us. we're talking about this yes. today, Gary. Is yes. That's why we're talking about it, and that's why we're si- sounding the trumpet, sounding the alarm, being the watchman for this, is because what we're going to do in the next episode is specifically look at what is happening in the churches, what people in the churches are saying. And I'm not talking about just the liberal denominations. We're talking about ones that were uh, historically very, very conservative. Those have been infiltrated completely also. And so it's important for us to look at that. So um, I, I, I uh, invite you now to uh, uh, come back with us in our next episode uh, as we go over some of this in more in detail and looking specifically um, at what's happening in the churches. But until then, remember what the psalmist said, those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.